Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. There is a story told years ago in Europe. Uh, there was a sanitarium, and they had to try and define when an inmate was cognitively able to be released back out of treatment back into society. So they needed a method to determine if these people were ready to, to be back in social contact with the general population again. So one of the ways they tried to determine that was they would put the inmate in a janitor's closet. Now, a janitor's closet is usually a, a bigger closet where they would keep all the cleaning materials and, and mops and brooms, but it would also have a sink in it. So what they would do is they would place the, the patient inside the closet and then they would turn on the water at the sink and they put a plug in the sink and they would let the water run over the sink. It would overflow onto the floor. They would give the patient a mop and they would tell the patient, mop up the mess from the water that was overflowing out of the bowl onto the floor due to the plug in the sink. The supervisor would then leave the closet for a few moments and then after a few moments, I would come back to look at the progress. And if he comes back and the water was still running and still overflowing the sink because the patient didn't take the plug out or didn't turn it off, but the patient was still busy mopping, they knew that this patient was not ready to go outside. The drugs that they've been given them for years have not worn off enough because they could not develop the cognitive capacity and reality to get rid of the problem, the root of the problem. They were trying to mop up a mess with a plug in the sink with the water still running, which means all the effort put to resolve a problem that was unresolvable because it never fixed the root of the problem. See, see, we think common sense will solve our problems, but how has that been working for you? I want to spend our time today, today together not focusing on mopping, how to mop more effectively, talking about mopping techniques, the discipline of how to hold a mop properly, how to use a mop, no, I think we get enough of that every single day. Instead, what I want to do today is I want to invite you to drop the mop and join me in the sink. Not in, next to it. See, I know the problem is on the floor, but unless we fix the root of the problem, the sink, the work we're doing is useless. See, the problems in your life might be your relationships, it might be your health, it might be your job and your finances. That's the water that's overflowing onto the floor. And that's what we've been trying to fix and mop up. But the root of the problem is in the sink, it's in your thinking. Your thinking needs to change, it needs to become uncommon. It needs to become God's way of thinking. Now, there are some of you that are listening, and when you look at the picture of your life right now, it's not what you dreamt it to be. 
You had dreams that you would go and do this. Uh, you would have achieved this by now and this would have been happening and it's not happening. So the question on the floor, which is part of the series is, where did common sense lead you wrong? And how do you put your life together so that it works and not just works for a moment, but works and life is enjoyable? What I want to share with you today will we'll lend a helping hand towards you having a life that works. So I want to invite you, join me at the sink. Now, God didn't just leave us unequipped. And when it comes to life and how to live life, God chose a guy who would be the best qualified person to teach us about life. Because he experienced everything that life has to offer and that most of us want from life. He's experienced everything that most of us desire. And not only did God choose the best person, he chose the person who I think, when he wrote this down, was a person that had so many struggles, as you and me have struggles in life. But he writes in this book, and he gives us 12 chapters on explaining what life is about from a humanistic, natural point of view. So there is a book in the Bible written about your life and how to live it and how not to live it. The man's name is Solomon. The book is called Ecclesiastes. So right there, I already, already lost some of you because um, the name of the book sounds complicated. It's one of those we skip over. But it's a book about life. If you want to read a book about explaining life and how to live it, read Ecclesiastes. That's why the book is so important to us. Solomon is a man born with privilege. Privilege that many of us won't ever see. He was the son of a king. He was a man whose economic status would uh, make um, Elon Musk look like he's an average Canadian. He's a man who had 700 wives, 300 girlfriends. So you know that he should be a happy man. Yet he opens up this chapter in Ecclesiastes with the first three verses that says the following. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? Another translation writes it this way. Everything is meaningless. It's meaningless. Futility of futilities. Nothing but smoke. It's all just smoke. He opens up his book and he tells us at the beginning of the book, I don't have anything to talk about really because everything is meaningless. I don't have a lot to share with you because it's all empty. Vanity means emptiness, means worthlessness, meaningless. That which is without purpose. He talks about his own emptiness. Now, if any man shouldn't have been empty, it should have been Solomon. Solomon should not have been empty. I mean, Solomon had everything most of us dream about. Solomon had power. He had wealth. He had companions. Quite a few of them. 
He had influence. He had riches beyond our understanding. He had wisdom. And yet, his first words, a man who had everything, is vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. All is meaningless. Everything that I have is meaningless. Solomon's message is very simple. If you forget everything today that I say, but you remember this moment, you remembered everything that you need to remember. Solomon's point is this. When life gets disconnected from God and eternity, it inevitably becomes meaningless. He says, when your life under the sun gets disconnected from God and an eternal perspective, you can expect to one day say, as he says, if it's disconnected from God, we can expect to use the same word. It is all meaningless. So he takes us on a tour, tour of his life, and he gives us a, a sample, a sample of his life of how he tried to fill the emptiness, the, that portion, that part in him that longs for meaning, that part in you that longs to find meaning. He takes us on a sample of his life of how he tried to find it. And it's amazing when you read it. He had a big hole. Let's start in chapter two. He says the following. I said to myself, I'm going to try a couple of things. Let's try to fill this hole. He said, I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. He says, listen, come now. I am going to party hardy. He said, I said to myself, let's test everything in life. Let me find out what life is about. I mean, everybody likes a party, right? Everybody feels good at a party. Let's have an uncontrolled, unrestricted good time. Man, you know, it's like going to Vegas. It's amazing. Irma and I went there for our fifth wedding anniversary, which is now almost 15 years ago. And we flew into Vegas to go watch Celine Dion. Amazing show. It was fantastic. But I remember we were sitting at the airport and the people that were going to get on this plane, man, they were so excited. Why? Because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, baby. And you could see these people are going to go for it. They're going to give it everything they've got. And then we flew into Vegas, we watched a show, and we flew back the next day. Um, and coming home, the expressions on the people's faces returning from Vegas were completely the opposite of the ones going there. It was like, oh, we did everything uncontrolled, unrestricted, break some rules, bend some responsibilities. I mean, let's just have a good time because that's what common sense, we're allowed to do it there. And then it all becomes meaningless. Regret. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with over the last 20 years who took that approach to their lives. Every weekend is a disaster. And then they come to us during the week and say, life is meaningless, but they keep trying to find it in the pleasures and in the, the, the breaking of the rules. Some of you watching right now know exactly what I'm talking about. Not only have you not found meaning, but you've lost your integrity and your character along the way. Like Solomon, 
In verse 3, he goes on, he says, After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with some wine. Hey! And while still seeking wisdom. So I'm going to drink. And while I'm drinking, I'm going to find meaning. This is what he's saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer myself with some wine. And I'm still going to seek wisdom. I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I try to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. Saying, so, so I'm deciding I'm going to drink some wine and, and while I'm drinking wine, I'm going to try and find the meaning of life in it. And he said, and that also became meaningless. But I experienced what some people, this will be the brief, the brief happiness that some people will find will be while they are drinking. But it goes away within moments. He said, I tested pleasure that would turn my body on so that I would feel some sense of life and purpose. I sought out pleasure. In verse 4, I did great things. He goes on. He says, I, I built houses for myself. I planted grape fields for myself. I made gardens and beautiful places for myself and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. To us, we're not impressed by fruit trees, but where he was, it was pretty impressive to plant fruit trees. I made pools of water for myself. Again, we've got like pools of water. Solomon, that's not that impressive. We've got lots of pools of water here. Just drive on the street. But there, pools of water, impressive, from which... The water would feed my many trees. I bought men and women servants and had other servants who were born in my house. Today, this would be um, a CNN issue. Uh, I had more flocks and cattle than anyone before me in Jerusalem. So he said, listen, I, I built up a kingdom for myself. I tried wine. I tried pleasures. I built every dream house, dream mansions. I gathered for myself, in verse 8, silver and gold and the riches of kings and lands. I got myself male and female singers. And I kept many women who acted as my wives. Oh, the joy of man. So here's a guy. Listen, it says, okay, I tried parties because I owned the party. I mean, he didn't just own the party. He owned the singers in the band at the party. He brought the band because he owned the band. He brought the women. He brought the drugs. He brought the wine. He brought the strippers. He is a king. Who can deny him? He had everything. Here's the question. How did it all work out for Solomon? And this is the question for you. For those who are rich. How did all that riches and wealth and being famous and powerful work out for people in the world who were rich and famous and powerful? How did it work out for Michael Jackson or Kurt Cobain, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Marilyn Monroe? Just some of the old ones I mentioned. That's, for some of you, like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know. Like, so older generation, all of you know who I'm talking. How did it work out for them? How's it working out for you? Verse 11, then I thought about all my hands had done and the work I had done. I saw that it was all for nothing. It was like trying to catch the wind and there was nothing to get for it under the sun. After the party, emptiness sets in. After the people have gone and there's no more noise around me that will distract me from meaninglessness, Dryness sets in again. After the drugs wear out, 
depression sets in again. After the wine wears out, sadness and feeling without purpose sets in again. He says, if you ever want to know what it's all about, he says, we can test it. When the service is finished today, you can go and test it. Just go outside. And everything that he mentioned, he says, it's like looking for a breeze. So I've built all these things and he, he lists all those things to impress us. He lists them because it's impressive. He says, all those things that we would be impressed by. He said, it's like going outside and when there's a breeze, you're going to try and grab it. And he said, and when you grab it, hold on to it tight because what you will dis discover is, is that as soon as you grabbed it, you lost it. It's meaningless. So Solomon says, it was vexing me. It was meaningless, not because it wasn't fun, but because there was no meaning or purpose attached to it. And this is what common sense instructs the world to go after, to try and fill the hole, the emptiness that's inside of them. This is what common sense tries. It says, let's just overspill more. Let's just make more of a mess on the floor that we can be busy with instead of going to what the root of the problem is. Common sense leads people towards drugs, unfiltered and dirty sex, uncontrolled drinking, no commitment or responsibilities. How did the world's common sense work out for you? So, Solomon is talking about an emptiness. He's talking about the emptiness of life underneath the sun. Meaning, emptiness because you are disconnected in this life from God. So he said, let me try something else. One more thing. Let me try education. Because that will, in education, I'm going to find my meaning. My meaning, my purpose, and we, we all recognize, we can recognize with that. I mean, if I can increase the titles before my name, I will find meaning and status and people will respect me and I will be somebody. In verse 12, so I turn to think about wisdom and what is crazy and foolish. For what can the man do who comes after the king except what he has already been done? And I saw that wisdom is better than what is foolish, as light is better than darkness. The wise man's eyes are in, the, in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I know that one thing will happen to both of them. Then I said to myself, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have, have I been so wise? So I said to myself, this also is for nothing. It is also meaningless. Now we read that and we don't always understand everything, what he's saying, but I'm going to try and explain it to you. Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived, right? We know that. And what he said here is, he said here, death. Death is the great equalizer between the fool and the wise, as educated as you are, doesn't matter what your level of education is. Uh, most of you listening probably graduated from high school. Some of you graduated from college or university. Some of you have your master's degree. Some of you have your doctorate and you are wise people. Your education is amazing. Your understanding is amazing. Your knowledge is amazing. 
but it will not keep you from the grave. It's Solomon's like saying the following, it's like sitting in the office and, and you've got the title on the door and everybody looks at you and they respect your title because of what education you've got. And you stare out the window and you saw the one guy that you know that dropped out of kindergarten um, and he's become nothing and he's, his clothes are ripped and people look at him in disgust. And he said, do you know what the reality is? The fate of the fool and you are exactly the same. Both will end up in the grave. It is inevitable. Education can't keep you from it. Is it beneficial? Yes, young people, go study, get a degree, get a master's, get a doctorate. Increase your capacity and ability to get a good job, earn more money. But it does not give you meaning. I know that is not what we think. We think our careers define us. But listen, Solomon, the wisest man who had kings from all over the world come and worship at his feet, said it doesn't mean a thing. That's what common sense will tell you. But uncommon sense says no. Meaning is found in something else. So, so let's try to summarize. So he says, parties didn't work. Drinking, it didn't work. Breaking rules, it didn't work. Sex didn't work. Owning all the properties and the castle and everything that's beautiful and amazing under the sun, none of that worked. It did not work. He was a billionaire. And the last part of it is where he's talking about, you know, how would it be when I leave everything that I've built up, I leave it for, for the one who comes after me. He says, even that is meaningless because the one who comes after me, how do I know he's not going to be a fool and waste everything that I've accumulated? Some of us are scared to leave our kids in our will because we're scared they're going to squander everything that we've built up. What took me a lifetime to accumulate he says, when I thought about that, this too is meaningless because I can value it and I can give my life towards it, but then I have to hand it, because I can't take it with me when I die. So when I hand it off to the person that comes after me, it might be meaningless to them. And what I value so much, they're going to disregard and waste it. So even that is meaningless. So in all these things, so in your life, under the sun, you will be very disappointed if you think you are going to find your purpose in any of them. If you live your life under the sun, meaning you are alive, we are under the sun, you're under the sun and you only live from sunset to sunrise. If you think that is what's going to, to um, you know, my esteem, my value, if you think that's going to give you your values your meaning, your purpose, you are going to be very disappointed. Even Christians do it. Christians build their success. And many times it ends up to be meaningless because they placed the ladder that they were climbing against the wrong wall. People buy your books, they watch your podcast, the church is big, the building is paid, but it's also meaningless. So this leads to probably the most common known scripture in Ecclesiastes. And this is Ecclesiastes 3, and we're going to read from verse 1. There is a special time for everything. There's a time for everything that happens 
under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pick what is planted. And he goes on, there is a time, a time for this, a time for weeping, a time for rejoicing, a time for mourning, a, a time for excitement. It's like a time, a time, a time, a time. See, and what he is saying in this, this is not just beautifully written. What's, what Solomon is describing to us is the universe that we are living in. See, we live in a closed universe. This is what this passage is about. Meaning, soon as you find something to be happy about, something else will happen that will make you cry. And it doesn't necessarily happen right after each other. It's like, like being born, getting a grandchild, and then grandparents going old and passing away. It's like the scripture said, as soon as you find peace, there will be war. There's a time for peace. There's a time for... That's why people are trying to look for ways to escape out of this universe. They're trying to escape the time, the time, the time. They're trying to get out of that because they feel stuck in things that they cannot control in this life. Verse 9, why did God do it this way? Why did God put it together this way? Let's go to verse 11. He made everything beautiful in its time. He has put thoughts of the forever in man's mind. Yet man cannot understand the work God has done from the beginning to the end. Verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for men to be happy and to do good as long as they live. And I know that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his work. It's a gift of God. I know that everything God does will last forever. There is nothing to add to it and nothing to take from it. God works so that men will honor him with fear. So, so again, it's a scripture that we've read many times. Not many of us understand it. I want to explain to you what he is saying. Because it is part of the solution for what we are going through. God has boxed, boxed us into time and space. We are all boxed into time and space. You can't get out of time or space. And God has boxed us in to force us in a way to look to him. Not to force us to accept him, but to make a choice about accepting him or denying him. See, he has set eternity in your heart. Now, you might not know it, but that longing for fulfillment that you have to fulfill, for, for, to be filled, that is actually a longing for Him. That longing for purpose, that is a longing for God. So, so He set in time and space and an empty spot that we will try to fill with cheap substitutes in order to find meaning that can only be discovered in him. We know that we're going to pass away. We know our time is limited. And he did it on purpose. He said eternity in your heart so that deep down where you live with you, unless you cover it up with fake stuff, there will be a hole that only God can fill. So he wants life underneath the sun to be connected above the sun. He wants your human life to be connected with God and eternity. And to the degree that you connect eternity to time 
is to the degree that you will change meaninglessness into meaning and purpose. You change meaningless into purpose. Let me explain to you this way. To the degree that you understand eternity and God for eternity will determine your actions now. It will determine if you will keep focusing on the water on the floor or fix the problem in the sink. It will determine your conduct with people. What I'm doing in my conversations with people around me, is there meaning in it for eternity or I'm simply trying to solve something in the temporary? See, you change worthless conversations into priceless relationships. You change worthless tweets, chats, messages, images that you might post because you're trying to get in the moment a reaction. You change that worthless, meaningless stuff into something that becomes meaningful, filled with purpose and powerful. But as long as you are disconnected from God and eternity, you are trapped into something that you cannot change. And what will happen is you will become busy with all this stuff and your mopping efforts are just going to have to increase. We have to understand this. You are not living in the land of the living on your way to the land of the dying. No, you are living in the land of the dying on your way to the land of the living. It is an understanding and a look towards eternity. If you think this is it, where we are right now, you will become depressed and sad. And eventually, because if you think this is it, it all seems meaningless. If you know that this is not it, you will live as if this is not it. And you will find life in that approach. You will live as, as if this is not where it ends. You will live as if you know you can trust your God. From the time you were born, you started to march towards death, towards the grave. This is not the land of the living that we are in. This is the land of the dying on the way to the land of the living. It is a mindset. It's an uncommon way of thinking. See, to make that the eternal connection with the eternal perspective is God's answer to your soul's thinking and to the question of purpose and meaning. That hole that Solomon was, was trying to fill with stuff, you can't fill it with stuff. The only way to fill that hole is a connection with God and with a perspective of eternity. That's what fills the hole inside of you. Is it good for a man to enjoy themselves? Yes. God wants us to have fun. God wants us to, to enjoy life, but he doesn't want us to exclude him from it. It means that when you go to a party, you're going to have a beer. You're going to have conversations with people. You're going to interact with people, but you are going to have a mindset of eternity. Life is a gift from God. Don't misread or misunderstand that. Life is a gift from God. Here is where we get it wrong. Common sense thinking says life is our God. We worship at the altar of ourselves. No, life is a gift 
It's never to become God. Most of us, the decisions we are making is because we are worshiping our lives. The moment we make life a God instead of a gift from God, you make your life an idol above God. So many people live their lives as if their life is God and God will never respect idolatry, even if the idol is you. Life without God is like an ocean without water. It's like a day without the sun. It can't function properly. The same in your life. Life without God can't function properly. And life without God with the view and the perspective, the, the perception of, and the looking towards eternity cannot function properly. Your life without an eternal view will be meaningless. He says, enjoy life. Just don't disconnect it from him. God wants you to enjoy it and maximize it, but it should not be disconnected from him. We're going to go to chapter 12 and we're going to finish with this. The last word after all has been heard is this. Honor God and obey his laws. This is all that every person must do. For God will judge every act even everything which is hidden, both good and bad. See, one day, what he wants us to know is, one day you will meet God. Common sense to many people is one day when I'm dying, I'm gone. It's done. Uncommon sense is when you die, you meet God. Now, it's not to, to bring fear into any of our hearts, because once you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, what is amazing is, is that meeting is going to be one where you will be affirmed as a son of God. Because Jesus paid for all your sins on the cross. But don't think that encounter is not going to happen. One day you will meet God. And we have a choice about how we want to live our lives right now. We can live a life filled with meaning and purpose, or we can live a life constantly searching for it in things, but never ever finding it. God wants us to enjoy life. God wants us to, to have an amazing life, but he wants to be part of it. See, he says, you have victory and purpose, and you won't live meaningless and purposeless lives if you exclude if you exclude him, it will be. But when you include him, meaning sets in. Now it starts with accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first step. So what I'm going to do today to finish with is, I want to invite those of you that are watching. Some of you that are sitting there saying, you know, I really need meaning in my life. Meaning starts with discovering that you are a son or a daughter of God, that you are a child of God. It starts with accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's where, that's where it starts. So today, I want to invite you where you are right now. You don't have to raise your hand around, <laughs> around your friends or, or even um, honk your horn or whatever. But, but just right now, wherever you are, if you say, I want Christ as my Lord and Savior, and you want to accept him, I encourage you right now, just to say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I welcome you into my life. Jesus, I long for meaning in my life. And I know it starts with having you. Will you say that? Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Now, for those of you that's been searching for meaning and purpose everywhere else, 
We need to change the way we think about those things. And we should have a mindset of eternity. How is what I'm doing, what I'm doing right now, how is it going to influence not only my eternity, but the people that I'm working with and dealing with? How will it influence them for the future? How will your conduct as a Christian influence those who don't know Christ yet for the future? How will your language or your habits, what you watch, what you are for, what you comment, how will that influence others with an eternal mindset and God? How will it influence them to come towards God and not push away from him? Because that will give us meaning. It gives us meaning behind our actions to influence people with the good news of God. I want to challenge you in that. I want to challenge you to change. Look at your actions. Think about it. And it's not common sense. I know common sense is fight, stand up, yell, scream. But we're going to be an uncommon people, a people that follows God's ways. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you, Father, that uh, you are the one that gives meaning and purpose to meaningless and vanity. And Father, we want to be a people of purpose, direction. We no longer want to walk around in the dark like fools. So, God, I want to declare for myself personally, Father, I want my actions and my conduct to be ones that are filtered through the mindset of eternity. And I want to pray for those people that are listening today. I pray, Father, that you will, through your Holy Spirit, before we take action or say things or do things, that that thought of eternity will enter into our thoughts and into our minds, and it will help us to correct our conduct and our actions, to line up with what you've called us to do and to be, to influence people for your kingdom. So I pray a blessing over every single person listening and watching. And for those who've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I encourage you, get in contact with us. Write us a note, send us a message. We'd love to pray for you and to send you something that you can read together with us. Have a wonderful week. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.